Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. This is Trey Ryder, and today I am so fortunate to be able to sit down with a good friend, Todd Westra, who is actually the owner and CEO of WithMoku.com. Todd has actually been an entrepreneur since around the age of eight. And even more importantly, he's a father of eight children. And he, in this episode, he's going to sit here and talk to you guys about how a family is actually just like running a business. And he's really going to lay out some great information of how you can actually have a workflow for your business, whether you're a coach, an entrepreneur, and really just hone in on what is holding you back. We talk about having an organizational chart and with Moku is actually about uh, virtual assistance and he has virtual assistance to be able to help you grow your podcast, your coaching business, your uh, normal businesses to be able to reach out to new clients. So there's just so much information he shares. And before I jump off here, I want you to take a minute and go rate and subscribe to the Forging Life podcast. So instead of me talking about it, let's jump into it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forging Life podcast. I am your host, Trey Ryder. And today I have another great guest with me, Todd Westra. And he is the, correct me if I'm wrong, the founder and CEO of Moku, which you can find that at withmoku, M-O-K-U.com. And um, with him being the, the CEO, the founder, that means that he is an entrepreneur. He's out there. He's running his own business. And on top of that, he is running his own business within the home. And what I mean by that is he is a husband and a father of eight. And that in itself is a huge undertaking. So welcome, Todd. Hey, appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me. So this is our actual round two of recording this. We tried to do this a, a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. And thank you to the, the great Wi-Fi gods. It kept crashing on us. And after so many starts, we just said, you know what? Let's redo this. Let's just start from the beginning and let's have fun with it the second time around. No so doubt. This is, it's a great opportunity for me to speak to you. And I know it's going to be crystal clear because I'm shooting this from my phone. So <laughs> thank you nice. for, for putting up with me. And uh, so tell us about you. Like I said, we understand you're married with eight kids. And that is the first thing before anything else. So like, <laughs> what challenges do you have as a, a husband and a father of eight? You know, life is so easy and perfect uh, with eight kids. It just, there's hardly a blip in our normal routines. And um, yeah, it's, it's just easy. I mean, everyone does their chores. Everyone plays their <laughs> part. Uh, the teenagers give rides to the littles. It's like a perfect scenario. And so my wife and I are just grateful we get to sit back and watch and observe and just be real administrators to the questions that pop up in our organization. <laughs> so how do you have this great film ready family then? How did you get to this point then? <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it, we watched the Brady Bunch a lot and we saw how they resolved <laughs> issues and that's how we do it. No, here, here's the thing, man. Uh, a family is an organization, right? I mean, it's an organization that's the most fundamental part of every, every life. I mean, they're, as much as people want to argue with the fact, uh, Life starts with a man and a woman making babies, right? 
And, uh, and as that family starts and grows, you know, it, it is a, it is a series of different challenges with every phase. And so we now have, um, our oldest is engaged to be married and we have a kindergartner and we have everything in between. And so it's like, we're seeing all these stages of life going on right now in our family. And, um, it actually is very similar to running a business. And I tell my wife that all the time. She is like the best CEO ever. Um, she handles all of their needs. She takes care of, she gets them lined up and where they need to be and what they're doing. And, uh, honestly, man, I mean, forging, forging life, uh, in a family this size, it's, it's not easy very often. Uh, but I will say it's a lot of fun. Uh, our family is a fun personality. Our kids are all very, um, they've all got strong personalities because to be heard, you have to be a little bit stronger and everyone's always trying to outdo each other to be the voice that's being heard. And so it's kind of fun. I mean, it's, it's honestly, it's a fun scenario. It's a fun dynamic. Um, when we travel, you know, we just got back from California last week and, uh, and people count us as we walk into stores and hop out of the car with, you know, 10 of us. It, it's a little odd. Um, so it's, it's fun. Uh, we think it's fun. So, you know, I can only imagine because see, for those that are listening, I have seven people total myself, my wife and five kids. Right. And we, we barely fit in the vehicle we have. So I guess you have like this big old station wagon bus. We don't like, <laughs> we don't, you know what we did? We built a custom row in our suburban. So we have an extra bench in the back when we go on travel trips with the full family. So wow. it's yeah, pretty that funny. In itself, that in itself is like, man, it, it's a toll on getting everything. Cause you it can is. get everybody in the car and then you can't get any of your stuff in the car so trailer you have to hitch. have like a- we got the trailer hitch thing with uh we stack about eight bins on every time we go anywhere <laughs> so it's pretty funny but yeah, I appreciate, yeah we- you, I appreciate you putting that plug in there about forging life so yeah, i appreciate that <laughs> well you know i mean it really is i mean here's the deal here's the deal i grew up as the eighth of nine kids and uh, as the eighth of nine kids, everyone says, oh, you were the spoiled one. And, and to be honest, I highly disagree with that because we had to, we literally had to create uh, what we wanted out of whatever was available. And what I mean is hand me down central. I don't think I ever got a new pair of jeans. Like it was always my older brothers or my, you know, sometimes older sisters, whatever, whatever fit is what we wore. And um, other than shoes. Now, all that being said, when I was about eight or nine years old, eight years old, uh, my brother and I, uh, my next older brother and I, we wanted uh, some really cool toys that the new kids in the street, you know, the kids down the street had, and uh, we couldn't afford that. And so my mom said, well, if you really want those things, why don't you find a way to earn money to get them? So we tried, you know, walking dogs, we were house sitting, we were like, you know, doing all this stuff. And finally, my brother's like, hey, Todd, we can do a paper out. And so I tell people today that everything I learned about business, I learned on my paper out. And the reason being is we had to go out and talk to all of our neighbors about having them take our paper. We had to um, close that sale, get them registered with the newspaper company. Uh, We had a, a supplier that brought us our papers every day. 
We had to go prepare them and get them ready for fulfillment. We did the fulfillment. We would go around collecting at the end of the month and then we paid an invoice every month. And it's like those seven things right there that I just listed, that's nothing different than what I do today in my business. I mean, it's the fundamentals of business I learned from, from having to forge my way as a kid to get those cool toys that all the kids with two, all the families with two kids were buying their kids, you know, left and right, just because they asked for it. And so that was like my first experience in learning that in order to make it in life, you really have to determine, okay, I've got this challenge and I don't really have an easy way to get past this challenge. So as an eight-year-old and 11-year-old, my brother and I committed every day to go deliver this stupid paper, whether it was raining, which it rained a lot in Seattle, or whether it was um, sunny and our friends were out playing, we were delivering papers. Wow. And so you said that directly coincides with what you do today as a business owner. So oh, as, yeah. as a child being eight years old, you said you were eight and your older brother was 11, right? Yep. So is that something you had in your mind is like, hey, I'm going to be an entrepreneur when I get older? Or like, I just didn't know any what different, was your dream? Man. I didn't know any different. I mean, I did the paper route for five years until I discovered when I was 13 that I could go get a job at the country club down the hill from our high school, picking up range balls on the driving range and I could get free golf. And so when I saw that I could get free golf at a country club for $3 and 25 cents an hour to go pick the range, I did it. And I was like, dang, this is the best job ever. And I did that for the rest of high school. And then I, and then I kind of bounced back into uh, the realm of uh, entrepreneurship by washing windows and, and earning, you know, 150 bucks a house. So that was like my, my next big gig was just learning that, Hey, I want to earn more money. I want to do different things. Um, I learned that I could jump into any industry I wanted to and find a way to hustle and make money in that industry. So that's what I've done. You know, that what you're talking about is a big mind shift. And I say that because people often say, well, I just got to go work more hours, you know, and instead of creating the money, as in what, right. how many clients can I go find to, to suit their needs and this, this problem that I solve? And it does, it takes a different mind shift when you're sitting there and maybe you're in a, a nine to five job. Well, I guess I got to go work another hour, 10 hours right. or, you know, and when you can right. say, well, I need to, I need to go buy this new car. How many clients, it, there's a different mind. It just coincides. Hold mindset. Like, Hold really mindset. I mean, how many kids at eight years old in the 1980s were earning, you know, 150 bucks a month. I mean, for me, it was awesome. Like that was 150 bucks a month. Every year I was making, you know, over a thousand bucks. And this is the 1980s. I mean, go watch Stranger Things. I was that kid on the bike who was making a lot of money. I could buy a candy bar for 25 cents. You know, that was awesome. And so it was, it was a really, really cool lifestyle. My brother and I um, never felt like we were wanting for anything because I mean, let's be honest. I was buying cooler stuff for me than my parents were. And they didn't stop me because they're like, hey, you worked hard for that. Go, go buy that new skateboard deck. Go buy this, uh, you know, uh, Nintendo and do your thing. And so we did. 
and my brother and I were, we loved it. And it was, uh, it was a fun little business. And, and ever since then, you know, when I graduated from, uh, when I, when I was graduating, when I was in college, I wanted to be in the golf industry. So I started a business, um, installing home putting greens because I thought, Hey, this kind of connects me with the golf industry. I can earn really good money. And we did, we ended up sponsoring some golf tournaments, um, some pro tournaments where I got to meet, you know, Johnny Miller, Jack Nicholas, and, you know, Arnold Palmer and Lee Trevino, all these guys like Chichi Rodriguez, all the classic golfers came to this one tournament that we sponsored. And I had Jack Nicholas out there goofing around on my putting green. And I was like, Whoa, my hero, you know? And, and I just, I loved it. Um, and I got free golf all the time because I was in the golf business, you know? And so, you know, I went from there to seeing my first flat screen TV thinking, oh my gosh, people are spending $19,000 for a 42 inch flat screen TV. I got to be in that industry. And so I went in there and I started a business and uh, launched it. And that business is still in business. We started it in 1999 and it's still in business. It's, um, it's a very established company. I exited that business in 2010 and, uh, but it's still a very valuable, awesome little nugget that we built. And so um, little things like that are rewarding. And why did I start it? Because I thought it'd be cool to be in the uh, high-end audio video business doing big theater rooms and all sorts of cool stuff. You know what I mean? So I don't know. I just found that life is hard. And in starting every one of these businesses, it wasn't instant money. You know, the audio video company, it was six months before we took a paycheck. And, uh, but then we started taking big paychecks and it was cool. You know, it was really fun. Bought airplanes and BMWs and stupid stuff. <laughs> <laughs> now for, for you, you, you said you grew up and starting out on the paper route, but you're also a family of, uh, or eight of nine children. Eight of nine. Yep. So with that being said, you kind of had um, a structure within that home. Was that what kind of helped you being a father of eight today? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know. We had a structure, but the structure was interesting. You know, we, uh, we were very uh, independent yet together family. And, and I say that lovingly because all of us had strong personalities and yet together we didn't really need a lot of outside influence if that makes sense and that's how my kids are today um you know my my uh last year i had a son who was a senior in high school and um he would uh he would take my at the time four-year-old son with him to basketball games with him at the high school because he just thought he was so cool to hang out with you know and maybe it was because he was kind of a chick magnet with the, with the little kid with him, but I don't know. But regardless, we found that regardless of what was happening in our other family dynamics, you know, whether dad was having a hard time with business because COVID sucked, you know, like COVID wiped out my business. And so what do you do with eight kids and COVID wipes out your business? Well, you pivot, but how do you pivot when you've got all these kids and people depending on you? Well, what happened in my family was my kids stepped it up. Um, all my older kids got jobs. They started, uh, they didn't like buy groceries and stuff, but they never asked for money. They always paid their own gas money. And one of them bought their own car. And it was like, 
thank you. Thank you for doing that. Like that was a huge help to the family. And so I find that trials can either tear you apart as a family or they can bring you together. And in my case, both as a child growing up and as a, as a parent with eight kids, our kids have learned that um, trials happen. You can't avoid them, but when they come, let's work together. Let's talk honestly and openly with each other and let's make things happen with whoever can provide what, you know? And you, you talk about these trials and yeah. how would you say that, because, okay, let me open this up. What I'm thinking yeah. here is a lot of yeah. it comes to communication, right? So right. how were you able to express the communication to your children, uh, no matter the age, so they could right. understand what was going on? Were you keeping things sheltered? Were you telling full on, hey, here's all this information? What was it in, in regards <laughs> to your home? You know, it was funny. Um, we literally went from uh, having an entire year booked out with enough revenue to, to have done very well last year. And in the end of February, all of that literally got just eliminated with no, no compensation. And so, um, we, we kind of gathered our kids. We, we believe in having councils and, uh, we also are a family of faith. And so we, we, uh, we pray together often and we were talking um, about our need to rely on God a little bit more right now, that we need to really put our trust in him and figure things out. And they're like, well, what's going on? I built a spreadsheet. I pulled the spreadsheet out in front of my kids and I said, here's our monthly burn rate. And they were like, huh? And I said, this is what it costs to run our family. We have a family of this many kids our grocery bills look like this every week. Our mortgage is this. Our, you know, we had a home equity line for a previous business that we're still paying on. We have this and this and this and this. We went through every line item of our monthly expenses with our kids and said, so here's our monthly burn rate. Here's what our normal revenue looks like. And here's how we usually break it down. You know, if we want to go on a family trip, we save for a couple of months and here we put this money here and we do, we explained our entire financial situation with our kids. And obviously the little ones didn't fully understand it, but everyone older than 10 kind of got it. You know, they're like, okay, so this much coming in, this much going out. We have a discrepancy of this much. Wow, dad, that sucks. How are we going to do that? <laughs> and, uh, and so it started conversations that were really quite healthy. You know, we, my wife and I, um, you know, we've been married for 24 years this summer and um, we've seen, you know, two major financial crises as a married couple together. And uh, we've seen it tear marriages apart and we've seen it bring people together. And we opt that when we hit a trial like this, we are going to let it bring us together. So we told the kids, hey, kids, we might lose the house. We might not have a lot of food next month. We might have to not eat out for the next six months. You know, we might have to do all these things. And we told them all the worst case scenarios. And when we prepared them with the worst case scenarios, it really unified us in that, you know, this, these were some very real things that happened. I had my college age son. Um, he went out and did summer sales and earned a bunch of money. When he got back, actually my two older sons both did this. When they got back, they were like just a blessing. I mean, they would take our, 
our little kids out to McDonald's with them. They'd go out and go treat them to this and treat them to that. And they, they just always looked at, um, they respected the crap that I was trying to start another business, trying to launch another program, trying to establish some foundation and, and basically dump all the money that I was earning back into a new business opportunity. And what they did for our family was uh, completely unsolicited and completely appreciated by my wife and I, you know, they just completely stepped up and they were just being the perfect older brothers. And, and they, they didn't necessarily support the family, but they weren't a drain on the family either, if you know what I mean. And so our family took the crisis as a strengthening opportunity, as opposed to a trial that's going to make us all yell at each other and be frustrated and, and angry that, that revenue stopped coming in for a few months. You know what I mean? And what, there's a lot that you said in there and I want to unpack this because yeah. it, it's very important. It, there's a lot that you say that I do very similar to our house. You called it a, a council and yes. I call it the family, a family huddle. And right. Like you said, it's you're you have to run your family as it's a business. And you do uh to be able to sit down and actually talk. And that's where a lot of communication breaks down the family. Like, oh God, we gotta keep some big secret. And you no, know, like when our kids understand what's going on, like we just bought a house um right. down in North Carolina and we say, Hey, guess what? Right now, until we replace that money. There's things that are going to be changing around this house and not totally. to mention, guess what? We got to start packing stuff up. Totally. So there's things that you have to step up and start doing. And well, and, it, you know, and it's the same with business. It's the same with business. I mean, Trey, you know, the, when I was launching last fall, a new business, I told my employees, I said, look, here's the deal, guys. Everything kind of depends on you. I said, I, I am going to take as little amount of revenue from the company as I need to survive. We're dumping everything back into you. If you can't keep our clients happy, guess what? You're out of work and I'm out of, I'm out of a, a business. And they're like, okay, I get it. Everyone stepped up because they knew the truthful scenario. And that doesn't always work to be completely transparent with everybody. But in my case, we were a small enough company that I could be. And I shared with them what the revenue was and they knew what the burn rate was and what our overhead looked like. And I said, this is where we're at. If we're not bringing in this X number of revenue, we're screwed. It motivated yeah, everybody. It's very ironic on, on what you're speaking about because I literally just got off a podcast interview where I talked about my family huddles. And yeah. that, that, that's kind of what I do to, to help individuals out. So yeah, I won't go right. into it about me, but it's just very no, ironic. It. it flows very well today. And <laughs> now with you, it, one of the reasons why I wanted to get back into what businesses you do because yeah. you talked about the newspaper you talked about golfing you talked about starting your own um home audio and visual um right. job and then going from all these different ones you then ultimately come across this this pandemic <laughs> that or whatever you want to call it covid or, or right pandemic i don't know all these different <laughs> names going around but right. uh you know it's so then it's like, well, crap, you found yourself ultimately very tight on areas oh, yeah. having to kind of pivot. 
So oh, yeah. what is it? What is it that like all of a sudden you said, okay, here's here's my my visual. How did you come up with that visual? Was it a calling? Was it just something cool? Another thing venture that you wanted to endure? Like how did all this come across? And explain so, what the business is. Yeah, no, I'm glad you asked. Um, so so in 2006, when I had my audio video company, I had an opportunity to um, start a new arm of our company doing like drafting services, doing design work for low voltage systems for, for commercial buildings. And when we started jumping into there, we needed a CAD, a CAD guy. And so I'm gonna draw AutoCAD uh, schematics of our wiring diagrams and do layers on top of existing AutoCAD files so that we could you know, draw our layers in and give them back to the architects. Well, what happened is we didn't have a lot of workflow up front for that. So we were trying to keep our costs down. We knew we needed a good CAD guy, but we only needed like 10 hours a week, you know, and, and a good CAD guy is going to cost us a lot of money. And so we were like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? How are we going to grow this department without a good CAD guy? And I stumbled across a guy who had a, uh, he was an architect and he had 40 architects that worked for him in the Philippines. And I was like, what? Mind blown. Like 2006, the cloud wasn't even available with Google. Like it wasn't even like a thing. And he would take these CAD files, scan them in and slow email them. Like it took an hour to shoot the email across with a, you know, with a 20 megabyte file, you know, and, uh, and he'd get these files broken up and sent over to his team and they would produce the CAD files and zip them up and send them back. And um, my mind was blown. I was like, holy crap. So I said, so I can get my CAD stuff done with you. And he's like, sure. Well, it turned out to be an amazing thing. Totally helped my business overcome a gap. It bridged a gap in revenue to overhead that we didn't want to fill with, with a heavy, expensive employee. And so at that time, I recognized immediately the value of what just happened. I was like, holy crap. Think of the value that outsourced services could be to a small business owner who really can't justify hiring a video editor for a couple of social media posts every week or hiring a, a, a very cool web developer just to do a landing page you know, for their, for their marketing campaign. And so there was all these things where I saw like these needs for small business owners and I'm very passionate about small to mid-sized businesses. I just, I love and respect founders. I've been one many times and I just know the challenge of trying to bridge those gaps where, yeah, we kind of need that guy, but we can't really afford that person. So what are we going to do in the middle? And, and um, during the pandemic, um, you know, I, I, so in, t- in the 2010s, uh, I had built a, a, big call center and had had branched into three different islands in the Philippines. And I built a large center down in Provo, Utah. And uh, I had had kind of mastered my game in the call center space. Well, after that, um, I exited, was doing consulting, had this cool gig going down in California. And um, with COVID, just nixed the entire thing. Uh, no revenue for seven months. And I thought, holy crap, dude, I need what 
I, what I know I can recreate in the Philippines. I need some cheap labor who is highly specialized, who can help me edit my podcast. I need some people who can help me um, uh, build my marketing funnel for this new business idea that I've got. I need some people that can do this. And I couldn't afford to hire someone like that. I was just getting going, right? And so what I ended up doing was um, reaching out to some of my old employees. I hired a couple of employees back at a very uh, bargain deal because they were out of work as well. The crisis had killed their country and their revenue streams. And so they kind of came back on board saying, hey, look, we'll help you out. Just make it up to us later. And boom, there was my team. We started building this team. And lo and behold, I started understanding that more and more small businesses were needing that, that bridge between, I've kind of got this department developing, but I can't afford to hire the right labor to make it work right. So I'm doing it myself. And so we became this bridge gap of helping small business owners who don't have enough work to really warrant hiring someone in-house for a specific role, like a video guy or a podcast specialist or a uh, someone to build their online courses or someone to handle their social media content campaigns, things like that. Those types of roles are hard to fill in a company that just wants to do that because they know they need it. And why can't I just have my secretary do that? Well, it's because she needs to do other things or he needs to do other things for you that they don't have time to do that effectively. And so we provided a company called Moku. And Moku is a service that literally just, you buy a block of hours and you can use them for whatever services you need. You need some video editing this week? We got you covered. You need to, you need to handle uh, some, some uh, content repurposing? We can totally repurpose the same thing you got. You did a speech at, at a, on an online event? We can take that, that recording and repurpose it to anything you want. You know, and, and all these little opportunities started popping up. And so what I found, Trey, was that every small business owner is the same way. They either lack the right people, their processes kind of suck, or they just don't have the right tools to really implement a plan. And so with Moku, those are the three problems we solve. We have an amazing platform that we use to manage workflows and to automate a bunch of functions uh, like email sequencing, like, uh, like you know, building landing pages that are converting and all those types of little things that every small business needs. And we supply those platforms. We also supply the integration of those platforms with anything else you got going on. And we supply the people to kind of run that process where you can plug them in, in the gaps where you don't have someone to, to operate there. As I'm sitting here taking these notes, uh, some of the questions that I had, you talked about podcasts, which obviously here we are on podcasts. And right. you, you guys can repurpose this stuff, which yep. is ultimately chopping things down. I'll be honest with you. The interviews are the easiest part of doing the podcast because <laughs> right. then if you want to look in professional, if you're going to use video, if you're going to have the sound quality, uh, it, it all takes time. Um, yep. You know, I could sit there easily in the morning and it, to, to make a good video clip from this to have the words come up on the screen and flash out or the logo on it. And I, uh, you know, I could be sitting there for two hours totally. compared to maybe having uh, somebody on your team, Todd, that, you know, does that regularly and they could probably break it down in 30 minutes. 100%. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying that is the time frame, but 
Um, right. Just to give those that are sitting here listening, you know, podcasting, that's a great thing. What about, uh, you talked about landing pages, because even though I do my own stuff, I understand uh, the process and I get better right. at it every day, but it's, right. is that is that making me money by doing that? And, and ultimately and it's taken... You... Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, I was going to say, and are you a really, are you a graphic artist? I mean, do you really know how to tie these images together and make it look really like that cool? Yeah. Oh. And, you know, coming down to like, not just that, but like for me, my main focus, what is my, my money driver? And that is helping my clients, right? right. So a podcasting, that is free. You know, this is free information out here, but it's right. a link to the tools that maybe you need. Right. And that, that's what this is about. So like for um, what I wrote down is like you talked about landing pages. Well, maybe if you're focusing 30 minutes or an hour building this landing page, I could hire one of uh, your, your VAs and they could have right. it done while I take that same hour to go focus on something that is driving money. 100%. So 100%. Um, that's why I'm having this conversation with you because those that might yeah. maybe sit here listening it is very important is the the problem that you solve is amazing so you Thank talked you. about landing pages you <laughs> talked about podcasts what about clients like let's say uh, i'm struggling to get clients and is there uh like anything that's like packages whole, or yeah like no that that's the whole thing man is like building the funnel right i mean it's first of all who's your ideal client and if you don't know who that is, we help you define who, who a good client is based on the services you provide. You know, it's, uh, it's understanding who you're actually selling to and who are you selling to right now that's a waste of your time. You know, we all have some clients that are like our big time wasters and some that are like the dream client. Well, how do you attract more of the dream client and avoid the time wasters, right? And so it, it's, it's a game, it's a strategy of, of really helping you understand, look, that client right there, like, tell me about your last 10 clients. If you were to tell me your last 10 clients, you would know right away the last, you know, how, how many of those 10 were a complete drain on your time and how many of those 10 were just perfect. They were just set up and you just loved working with them because you knew every time you got on the phone with them, they were not going to be complaining about stuff. They're going to be like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. How you helped me do this, you know? How do you get those guys? Well, once you know how to who they are, then we target a campaign that gets more of those people. And they're not hard to identify. It just sometimes when you're in, in the thick of it, all you can think about is the pain in the butt client who is constantly texting you and asking you for more help. You know what I mean? So, so that's where that's where we really come into play is we help you define who that ideal client is. And then when we push to market, the strategy, we try to hit them up on social media. We try to we try to do a campaign that talks to the pain points that you solve and who you're trying to solve them for. And then we build a little program to where, hey, look, if you just did a, if you delivered an address somewhere, we'll chop up that thing. We'll take your podcast you just spoke on, take the key points that you talked about, and we'll throw them into social media where everyone can see, oh, look what Trey's doing. He just helped, he helps companies do X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? Like that's where the word starts getting out. And, and when you start having conversions on your sales copy without you getting on a sales call to do it, that's when you know things start working. Now, one of the questions, hopefully 
you'll hit or pick up on what I'm trying to, to have you express people yeah. that are um, struggling uh, with their, their ICAs, their, or yeah, their yeah. ideal, you know, client avatars. Client avatar. Yeah. What, what's the biggest problem why they can't attract when, when they're out there, they're saying, I'm doing all this stuff. Like, um, can you explain why? <laughs> I can totally hopefully, explain. Hopefully that will answer some people out there. Dude, listen, Trey, like I've been that, I've been that founder before where, where it is, you feel like you can't attract the right types of clients. And most of the time you want to know what the biggest culprit is. It is the time you're spending on the bad clients. Like it really is. And, and when you're wasting 80% of your, it's 80, 20 rule. When you spend 80% of your time on the clients that are your biggest pain in the butt, you're never going to go find any new clients that are the right client. In fact, you might even get referrals from your bad client to more bad clients. You know what I mean? Like you're working so hard to, to, to solve the wrong problems that you forget that there's easier problems you can be fixing that might even bring in more revenue, you know? And so I, I just got off a phone call just an hour ago with a guy who, um, who told me that, you know, he's like, look, I've got, um, I've got about 12 clients paying me about four grand a month. He's like, I'm in a dream scenario. He's like, I don't even need more clients. He's like, and the best part about it is that they're all clients I like to do work for. And I was like, dude, you got yourself an amazing business. <laughs> you know what I and mean? That, that's huge. That's what everybody strives for. It really is. Right. And when I was, I was asking this, I, I loved where you took that question. And one of the things that maybe somebody that's starting out that is new, that doesn't know their ideal client, and they keep saying right. they're doing everything. Uh, one of the things that I personally notice is they haven't honed in that craft. They're trying to market to everybody. No. Yep. Hey, I'm a, I'm a mindset coach. Well, you know, that what does pertains that mean? to everybody. <laughs> and so what you were speaking on is it kind of defined it into a better scenario than what I wanted you to kind of express. So I appreciate that. <laughs> oh, you bet. Well, let me be honest with you, Trey. Like, like with me building the business I'm doing right now, um, I'm, I'm playing the game of who is my favorite client right now. Like I really am. Like I, I just launched this in November. Uh, for the most part, like I had my team building for me since last summer. Um, but like in November is when I really committed, you know what, I'm going to build this model out and I'm going to see what works best. And I started doing uh, general VA services. I started doing some podcast clients. I started launching courses for people and I started working on social media for people doing their social media posting and stuff like that. And, and the reason I did that, it sounds kind of like, whoa, Todd's all over the place. But what I'm trying to figure out is which of those client types is my ideal client? Which ones were the biggest headache and paid the least? And which ones were the best paying and the happiest? And that's the game you kind of have to play when you're starting a business, even, even a consultant. You know, what types of clients do I really work best with? Are they are they business owners or are they a marketing director? Are they, uh, you know, who is it? And, and so you really got to like, you have to, when you start, try some different client types. And after you've, and you, the best way to do that, Trey, is to tell them it's a beta. Say, look, I'm looking to beta a client in this particular marketplace. 
here's what I know I can do for you. I don't even know what to charge you completely, but here's where I need to cover my costs. Would you be willing to be a beta for me and give me feedback as to what I'm doing right and what's not working for you? Do you know how many people say yes to that? <laughs> a lot, a lot. And when you get some people in your beta, it gives you the perfect opportunity that when you don't do it exactly the way they were hoping it worked, you can say, that's the joy of beta. What do you think could have made this go better? And then you actually get honest feedback from a client saying, look, had you done this, not that, we would have saved like two weeks. And you're like, you're totally right. I'm going to change that for the next person. Thanks for doing that. I'm so glad you weren't paying full price for this, huh? <laughs> and, and, then they and that's a like, big deal. Right. And they're like, you're right. You're right. I shouldn't be that mad because I'm only paying you half price right now. You know what I mean? And so that for me has been a trick that works in almost any industry. Don't be ashamed of the fact that you're just launching. Don't. You're going to get better referrals from people after they know that you're operating on a beta platform or a beta program that, that you're still learning the ropes on. People love being part of a beta. I mean, they love it. And some people don't, but don't work with them yet. You know what I mean? Don't, don't bring them in thinking you've got everything figured out and then you don't and you look like an idiot. You know what I mean? At the beginning, figure your crap out and figure it out with real clients who are paying you, even if it's just enough to cover your nut. But make sure you're covering your nut so that you're not just out there spending hours and hours doing things that aren't covering your basic expenses. That's a amazing information. And you talk about this beta. How do yeah. you kind of say, okay, well, I want to launch this course. Or I, I want to launch this series. Right. How do you come up with different price points? Like, do you start out with, Oh, I do a lot I of market research people and then bring it back. No, I, what I do is I do a lot of market research. I I'm a spreadsheet dummy. I, I love spreadsheets. And so I'll go before I attempted to do anything, I'll go and find 10 to 15 people already doing something similar or exactly how I want to do it. And I look at their program. I look at how they're priced. And then I put together something that makes sense to me. And I look at it and say, if I were buying this service or this product, what would I want it to do for me? And how much would I be willing to pay for it? And then I just look at it and I look at it and I look at it and I think, okay, let me see if I could pull some into beta for this price. And then, I, and then I start talking to people and I'm like, hey, did you know I'm doing podcast production? Did you know I, I can help launch a podcast? Um, and I've seen people charge as much as $10,000 and as low as $3,000. I'm going to be $6,000. So I'm coming in at six. And I tell people, I'm like, look, I've got a, I just built a podcast for myself. We did 250 episodes. How would you like it if I help you launch or, or build your program using the system I did. And then I show them what I did for me. And then I say, look, I think this is going to cost me. I think I can charge about six grand for this. Would you be willing to beta my program for three grand? Boom. Like it works. It works. And it works because you're being totally transparent with that person. Hey, I want to bring eight people into my beta. You're number four. Are you willing to do this with me or not? Because I'm going to be twice as expensive in, in about two months. <laughs> That's uh, You know what I mean? This is like truly amazing information. If you guys are sitting here listening right now, maybe you're a new entrepreneur. Maybe you're a new coach trying to, to launch a course or you have a plan for it. 
he just gave you a great layout for you to do. One, yeah. go do your market research. Who's already done it? Figure out what they're being paid to do it. And then come in, look at the low points, the high points, and then you know start out there. That's where you want, not for your beta, be in the middle for your normal cost and yep. cut that in half for the beta. And then just get out yep. there and test because you're not going to know. If you sit there and you put everything in, you price it at $6,000 and just sell it as, as is, it's not going to be nearly as effective as taking those people from three and now having that complete package. So thank you oh for gosh. actually, I hope you guys are listening to what Todd is talking about because he's he's a man that's been doing this pretty much from the age of eight pretty in much. the entrepreneur <laughs> realm. And he's he's tested, he's tried, he's failed. And he's, he's tried and he's tested and he's succeeded. And so it's, it's a matter of who you're picking up this information from to actually drive you forward, to forge forward, to forge your life. So um, as, as we're getting towards the end here, um, yeah. is there anything that you wish I would have asked you first and foremost? You know what? Um, let me just, let me just tell your, your listeners this. I mean, being an entrepreneur is not nearly as glamorous as everyone thinks. And uh, it's a lonely place. It's a hard place to be. But I'll tell you this much. The second you feel dialed in to how you fulfill the product or service that you want to do, that's how you scale. And the minute you start scaling, that's when you start to offload all the stuff that sucks. For me, I hate bookkeeping. And I, I, I do it, I know how to do it, but man, the second I can offload that, I do it every, that's the, one of the first things I offload. You know, the next thing I try to offload are, are you know, and this is, this is the thing, map out an org chart of your business. Even if you're just doing like a consulting thing by yourself, you know, you wanna be a mindset coach, you wanna launch the next software platform. It doesn't matter what you're trying to launch. Imagine if you were doing $100 million a year, okay? What kind of people would you need in place and what kind of roles would you need in place to operate a $100 million business doing what you want to launch? As soon as you figure that out, then you start mapping it out on an org chart and say, look, there's me at CEO, there's me at chief marketing officer, there's me at VP of sales, there's me at here, me at here, me at there. But as you start to draw in some revenue, you start looking at your org chart and say, okay, for me to get a good VP of sales, it's going to cost me, I don't know, maybe 10 grand a month to get someone halfway decent in there. Maybe, maybe they'll take six plus some rev share. I don't know. But the second you've got a $10,000 month, you say, okay, let me start looking. And then you start grabbing that guy who you absolutely need and say, okay, Hey, look, I'm just getting launched. I did $10,000 last month. Um, would you be willing to come in and help me grow this? Here's why I only did 10. It's because I'm also doing ops and I'm also doing accounting and I'm also doing this. If you could take this and run with it all on your own, follow the model I just built out. I bet you could make 15 grand this month. You know what I mean? Like that's how you really work it. Build the org chart, identify the roles, and then start plugging people in as fast as it seems comfortable and might not feel comfortable. But you know what? Hire someone that's willing to take the risk with you because 
I talk to people all the time who say, I want to get involved in a startup. And I'm like, are you crazy? Okay, come on, just jump in, take a risk with me, take a little bit less pay for a higher reward. If it pays off, I'm happy to have you. You know what I mean? And that's how you start building out that initial organization. Works every time. Now, as somebody's sitting there growing, they're, they're taking on all these roles because ultimately they don't have the money, right? And right. that's the big thing. So what, it, what would you say to those individuals that really don't have the money to get out there and invest you in? Have, you don't have the money because you're wasting time doing things you shouldn't be doing. That's why you don't have the money. Well said. I really That's appreciate it. that authentic <laughs> answer. So I, I, right before we get off here, um, what keeps Todd up at night? So is there some something that you sit oh, yeah. there and you just keeps your mind wandering? What is that? Yes. The thing that keeps me up at night is I wonder, am I doing, am I following the advice I just gave you at the end there? Am I doing things that are wasting my time and not allowing me to do the things that are producing more revenue? And, and like, I had a meeting this morning, um, first thing this morning, 7am, I had a meeting with about 25 of my employees, which is pretty much everybody. And we got on a, we got on a, right at this moment, we got on a call. Uh, we've, we've been growing pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, but I got on this call and I looked around at the group of people and I was like, holy crap, I've got some really awesome talent right here. And, and I looked at them and I, and I thought in my head, I thought, man, I don't think I'm utilizing them enough. I have got to offload more of my stuff. And if you're not asking yourself that all the time, what else can I offload? Like as a small business founder, you have got to start offloading. And, and I sat there and looked at the, at the, this little sea of people on my, on my screen. And I thought, okay, I could probably ask three of those people to collectively spend 40 hours this week, um, redesigning my website, which is one of the products I want to do. I've got all the, all the copy that I want. I just need, I need them to make it look prettier. Boom. There's a project that I need to delegate right now. And as a founder, you oftentimes wait too long to delegate things that you've already got people to do. I mean, you've, I've already got people that could do that for me. And yet I just hold on to it thinking, nah, I'm just going to go make a change tonight. I'm going to make a change. I'm going to go add this paragraph. I'm going to add this block to my website. And you're like, when you're doing it, you sit there and think I am an idiot. I could be upstairs with my kids right now, enjoying a nice little post-dinner relaxation mode for an hour talking about school, you know? And those are the types of things that keep me up at night. What am I doing right now that I absolutely shouldn't be doing because someone else could be doing this for me? You know, as, as you're sitting here talking, it's very important. I'm soaking all of that in because I still do some, like I'm your ideal client in a lot of this because that's I still right. do it. So that's why I'm asking these questions because I know there's a lot of people out there that are like me that are taking on everything. So you're able to be able to break this stuff down and ultimately hand them a package and say, yep. guess what? I'm here to help you. Are you going to take this help? So yep. um where can people go to, to find you or find yeah. your, your information, please? With, with Moku.com. And with Moku.com, there's a solutions tab, at least there is today, um, that says, <laughs> I'm actually already rethinking how I want to redesign. But um, there, there is a tab for dedicated assistance. 
And that is the easiest way to get into our ecosystem. You can buy a block of as little as 25 hours a month, which is literally what, uh, uh, six hours a week, you know, um, of someone that could just help you with tasks an hour a day, hour, little hour, an hour a day. What have you got that takes you an hour a day that absolutely you shouldn't be doing? That is the easiest thing to outsource. And so you just start thinking of these things that, you know, is it scheduling clients? Is it uh, checking your emails? Is it wasting time on LinkedIn? Oh my gosh, Trey, I have someone that literally spends about two or three hours a day on my LinkedIn managing my, my conversation flow on LinkedIn. And if it's something I absolutely need to see, she just tells me, hey, so-and-so said this. And I'm like, oh, perfect. Tell them this. And I don't even log into LinkedIn hardly anymore. Like it's those kinds of things save me two or three hours a day. I'm like, boom. Just do I'm it. sitting here. I'm sitting here wondering: Do I even have direct access to you anymore? Because <laughs> the way I sit here and I converse, I'm like, well, maybe it was one of the VAs. Who knows? But it might have um, been. Guess as good as mine. <laughs> it's entirely possible, Trey. <laughs> Todd, I really do appreciate it. So uh, to be able to go and find the website, I've checked it out myself. Like he talked about, and Todd talked about. If you need something, just make that small investment. If you can't do a full yep. package, just start with something small that, you know, the yep. 35 hours a month, I can't remember what all they were, but there's different packages yep. out there for different things. So yep. check out um, with moku.com to, to follow up. If you want more, if you're out there, you're struggling day to day, wondering where your clients are at, can't figure out what clients you actually need to, to speak with uh, the, the web pages, the social media. Is there anything else I'm leaving out? <laughs> is that uh, pretty much? No, dude. It's people, processes, and tools. That's it, guys. It's after interviewing 250 CEOs and founders last year, they all agree. People, processes, and tools are like the three biggest challenges they face in trying to grow and scale their business. So you're not alone. It it does suck sometimes. It really does. But there is hope. The minute you offload that one thing that's driving you crazy, that's the moment you can breathe again. So just get in here and breathe with us. We are there to help you. <laughs> Todd Westra, I really appreciate you taking the time today to, to give us, the, you guys go listen to this again um, once this airs. I, it, it's very important. I hope you have a notepad to be able to go and take this stuff down and make sure you follow up with him. He's definitely on clubhouse. That's where he and yep. I actually officially met when yep. I was doing some speaking pitch thing. And, uh, he took the time and reached out to me. So, um, I, love it. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed our talk today. And if I can be of any help, um, I would definitely you know, do anything we can as well. So the one question I have of you as well is every month, the very first Friday of the month on our Facebook page, and we do this via Zoom, we invite the guests that their podcast interview went live that month because I'm actually awesome. like two months behind right now. Awesome. And um, it's kind of like a clubhouse mashup, but also Loved inviting it. the listeners to come and ask questions or listen to some of these top individuals talking. So I would, I would uh, love it. The next one that's coming up is uh, April 2nd. So it's the first Friday at 7 PM Eastern. I invite you there. Um, we have the invite link out on our forging life podcast, Facebook page. Awesome. Um, I think you're a member there as well. And 
Yeah. Uh, today, when we get off of here, I'll highlight you in the Facebook group to say, hey, I got off the interview to make sure everybody knows that you're there and what you do. So thank Perfect. you so much, Todd. Hey, appreciate it, brother. All right. As always, you guys make the rest of your day the best of your day. Thank you for taking the time and listening to this podcast. If you're enjoying the Forging Life podcast, I ask you this. Take a moment and head over and rate this podcast. If you're listening to it on iTunes, Spotify, or whatever platform you enjoy the most, please just take a moment. So that way it will help get this episode or episodes into the ears of somebody else. And if you would like to join the discussion, make sure you head over to the Facebook page, Forging Life Podcast, and join us there. Thank you.